The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Living like it matters and what matters to me. Wow. Well, there's quite a few things that are important to me that matters, but uh, it is the last show before the big show. That's right. You heard it. The last show before the big show. The big show, of course, is the Super Bowl. And this is the last rail sports show before the Super Bowl. So, wow. Which direction are we going to go? You know, I mean, in terms of just thinking about. Uh, who's going to win? Uh, of course, Chef Julian will be joining me uh, a little bit later. Uh, former teammate of mine also, uh, Michael Haddix, will be joining me. Uh, talk a little bit about player transition and just, uh, you know, the big game. You know, the big game is something that uh, every uh, professional football player who's ever played the game uh, would have liked to walk away uh, with at least an appearance in the Super Bowl. We all would like to have a Super Bowl championship ring. But but the but the goal honestly is to at least get a chance. The minimum goal is to get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. The ultimate goal is to play in the Super Bowl and win. But just the mere fact of having that opportunity to play, uh, you know, in that game is something that it will it will stay with you for the rest of your life. You know, and if you don't get a chance to play in that game, that too will stay with you for the rest of your life. It's 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 one of those things where you feel as if there was a goal set and you didn't quite achieve it. There are many things in life that we set out in terms of creating a benchmark for a goal that we hope to achieve at some point in day, some point in time, some day in our life. And there comes a time when you have to let that that dream go just like okay that's <laughs> that that's not going to happen uh there's is is, is is something that perhaps maybe i still like i'd like in my mind to think that i could make it happen but in reality you, you can't be, because you don't do that anymore or you don't have access to that anymore or life has just passed you by and that's not a real good thing that, that really isn't a real good feeling particularly when you when you gave it your all and you didn't achieve it. Now, it's a different thing if you just, you had this pie in the sky kind of dream and there was really no chance it was ever going to happen. But when you actually have the opportunity to achieve your goal and you come up short, those are the kind of things that you remember for the rest of your life. So I, I have this feeling this time of the year all the time. It, it's one of those things where I can go throughout an entire season and I can sit and talk with anybody about the experience because I've walked in those footsteps. Then it gets to the point very similar to that poster of those footprints in the sand where there were two sets of footprints walking down the beach and then all of a sudden there was one. Well, <laughs> it gets to a point where I have to drop off my footprints are no longer there. I never crossed over that barrier, crossed that hurdle, if you will, into playing into the greatest game ever, the Super Bowl. So I really don't know this experience that these young men are experiencing this week. I got to step back and say I've only been a fan. I participated in the opportunity to get there, 
but I didn't succeed. So I contributed to some of the the, the greatest sports talk, you know, if you will, water cooler conversations up to this point. After that, I became irrelevant. I, I became a part. I became a part of the group that's having the conversation. Instead of the group having the conversation about me, I then joined the conversation around the water cooler. I'm just going to keep it real and, and be honest with you all uh, because that's what happens. But certainly what I, I want to do is, uh, like I always do, you know this Super Bowl is also important to me. Uh, this time of year is important to me because as I talk about the fact that I kind of dropped off and become a part of the conversation around the water cooler talking about the guys that's playing in the game, well, something very similar happens to all the guys around the country, not just me. And, and, and it happens, and it, it kind of gives you a chance to step back and look and think about the fact that, guess what? There is going to be 53 and 53, 106 guys that are going to be playing football today, meaning next Sunday, this Sunday coming. But there's going to be mm, a couple thousand that are not going to be playing, who are active and not playing. So you, you know what you think about you think about, okay, there's a game going on, but I'm not playing in it. This is the first time this year, with the exception of a bye week, that there's a game going on and I'm not playing in it. So what am I going to do? And when you think about that, like that, it makes you start to think about and consider, well, what the hell am I going to do when I... I'm not playing when it's not just a game, but it's a season of which I will not be participating on the field. Well, I will be a part of that water cooler conversation. Am I ready for that? Have I thought about, have I prepared myself for that? And for many people out there, that answer is, well, hell no. I haven't. I haven't got myself ready yet mentally, physically, emotionally. Professionally, for that time, that's not a good feeling. The only thing good about that feeling is if you're having it at a time where there's still something you can do about that. Because if you're having that type of conversation with yourself and the point of realizing that you aren't playing is when you aren't playing, that's not a good thing. Thank goodness that, you know, for some people, it didn't happen like that. For other people, it did happen like that. Again, it's that time of year where you got to think about career transition. And it's not really career transition because that's just playing in the National Football League is like an, an, a, an extended internship. That is a, you know, a, a short term work experience, you know, in, 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 in the area of workforce development, you have to have what they call job experience, working experience. You have to have working experience, which is in the higher terms, it's considered uh, in the upper echelon of, of educated people is considered an internship, but it's work experience for those who don't have degrees. Uh, that's what the, you know, the unskilled labor force maybe, but those who are making that transition from welfare to work, you have a work experience until you get that job and you get a chance to see what it's like. So we're going to talk a little bit about those type of things the NFL players have to get themselves ready for. See, sometimes it's just a big game everybody's focused on, but behind the scenes there's some other things that are equally important to athletes. But we're going to talk about that on the other side of break. Uh, we're going to take a break now. Come back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And we'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You know the show, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Certainly what matters to me is I said it, I told you earlier, it's the last show before the big show. <laughs> the big show, of course, is the Super Bowl, and the last show before the Super Bowl is obviously Rail of Sports here on the Voice of America Network. Uh, but certainly um, what I want you folks to know is that I- I'm excited about the Super Bowl, as I said, for so many different reasons. Um, one of the things that will um, get me excited is uh, being around a, a lot of different players who realize that, you know, it's time for them to do something other than play football. And those guys who have a chance to uh, get themselves together and, and really start thinking about it before they're forced to think about it, those are the guys that are that are just successful. Those are the ones that, when you look at them years down the road, um, you look at them and you say, "Hey, man, you look good." You know, obviously things have been working out for you, and you've been you know working out yourself. And it's one of those things, and you know, because there's times where you can see, I guess, you know, when you look at professional athletes, there's always the post careers, and and those are the times where you can look at them. And, and you can tell that the wear and tear on their bodies have gotten to the point where it kinds it, it catches up to them at some point in time. They look, you know, indestructible when you see them when they're active players. But one thing I can tell you about an athlete, particularly a former athlete, you do as much as you can while you can, but. It, it, it's not hard to uh, hang up the sneakers, hang up the cleats uh, once it gets to the point where uh, your body is bothering you, uh, meaning that you're in pain, and it turns out that uh, you're in pain uh, and you really don't have to get to the point where you've got to fight through the pain uh, for the simple reason of just you've got a ball game to play. You don't have to you don't have to worry about that. You start you start treating your body and yourself like a human being. And you know, because of those reasons, um you just stop working out. And and who knows, sometimes some things may catch up to you when you when you stop working out and start gaining weight. Um but certainly what you want to do is you want to take care of yourself. Right? You want to take care of yourself. Um, you want to make sure physically you're okay, mentally, emotionally you're okay. And and the career path. You want to find what you love doing, uh, one of those things that really makes you excited about getting up and going in every day. And you want to be the best you can at it, just like you were at uh, when you were on the field. And so that's really what gets me excited about going to the Super Bowl because we have the player networking event. And, of course, it's a career transition fair. Uh, there are players there with their own businesses. Uh, there are players there that are looking to start their business up, players that are looking for opportunities 
in different uh, industries as to where they might find some comfort. They might find that still that competitive vibe that they're used to or they're accustomed to, and they still want to sustain that. Uh, there are corporate people there uh, walking uh, the hallways of hotels and certainly at the player networking event, uh, looking to develop relationships with players. Uh, some of them even have a booth set up where they may be interested in, in working with players. Uh, but what it does, the player networking event and the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is like the biggest convention that you will find. They got some big ones out there in Vegas, too. But, you know, when you think about this, this is a this is a, a big one. And so a lot of times people go just for the mere fact. This is what I want to uh, If anybody out there who is listening, let me say this to you. If you've never been to the Super Bowl and someone, when people say, you know, hey, I'm going to the Super Bowl. I want you to understand that not everybody who goes to the Super Bowl actually goes to the game. There are many people for purposes of entertainment, for purposes of um, just trying to find opportunities in networking, uh, that they fly out to the Super Bowl. They get their hotels and, and they enjoy the parties and, and, and the celebration and, and the networking opportunities. Because corporate America is there for a purpose. Uh, that is to celebrate the success that their business has had. Some of them are sponsoring. Some of them have um, a role in the Super Bowl itself. And some of them are just there because, you know, it's like, wow, if you want fleas, just roll around with a bunch of dogs. Okay? If you want to make a whole lot of money, you want to find a whole lot of opportunities, just go where the opportunities are. They're at the Super Bowl. Corporate America is at the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it, people in positions to make decisions about you are at the Super Bowl. And and they're there for that purpose. Uh, it's a good tax write-off for them, but it's always, they're, they're working. I probably never collected so many different business cards in any one place than you do at the Super I mean, people, uh, they are comfortable giving you a business card. It's up to you as to how you leverage that and you actually make that work. Now, if you if for some reason or another you're one of those people that you're you're not aggressive, you don't have to be super aggressive, but you can be, um, you know, somewhat um, uh, just do it in, in a, a kind of a modest, you know, form of being aggressive. You know, you're not overly aggressive, um, but you're passive aggressive. Uh, but don't let that opportunity pass you by. For so for those people out there to think you have to go to the Super Bowl to go you have to go to the game and you got some of the best watch parties that you can find they got great watch parties at these Super Bowls so there there are two times that you know it's different than anything else because everything else is in on our professional sports leagues they're series. But, you know, very few times, we always hope that we have a game seven in basketball. You know, we hope that the World Series goes, if it's six games, well, seven games as well. We always are looking for that one game where everything is on the line. And, and football gives you that every year. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to, you know, you know, change it a little bit and start talking a little bit of football. And I got oh. Chef Julian on the line. Chef Julian, what's cooking in the Hall of Fame city? Okay, I thought I had Chef Julian on on the line with me. Uh, there may be a chance that uh, we're having a little technical difficulty. We have that every now and then. Uh, Chef Julian, are you there? Oh yes, I'm here. Okay, I guess there was a little delay in your reaction there, uh, but uh, uh, certainly I wanted to know what's what's cooking in the Hall of Fame city. It's that time of year now where. Uh, there are going to be some Hall of Fame announcements in terms of who those finalists are that are going to make it. Um, you know, we got uh, some, I think, T.O.'s out there. I think Brett Favre is out there. There's a couple other guys' names that are out there. Uh, that's obviously something that's, uh, that's important that's cooking in the Hall of Fame city. But I'm going to let you tell me. You got you to you gotta give up on those Browns. You got to give up on those Bengals. Uh, and you got two teams that are left, the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. So, um how are you looking at this game to come out, to, uh, the outcome of this game to, to unfold? Okay. 
got another delay there with Chef Julian. Could be that he's got a bad connection. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Um, my my gut feeling it tells me that the Denver Broncos just might pull this one out. Uh, I I don't I don't know what it is, but I just see that. I, actually, I I know what it is. It's going to be the defense. The defense is the reason why the Broncos might just win this game. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that the Broncos are going to win it, but I just have this feeling that they just are the ones that are going to come out maybe to, maybe uh, on top. Uh, so we're gonna it's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm I'm going to be teetering all day. I might just flip flop on uh, and say that Carolina is going to win it in a couple hours. But it just it's just such a good. This is uh, one of the best games that uh, you can honestly say it's going to be really good. Well, uh, I, I think they, I think cool. they, I think they all have looked good on paper, and it sounds to me that's what you're trying to say. But you, but you can't flip flop. You know, I, I basically it was a little early, but I did want to kind of get it, uh, you know, out of you, so that therefore maybe, you know, as the show goes on, by the end you may change your mind. But certainly to me, it sounds like. Uh, you feel good about Denver, about Denver's defense. They say defense wins championships, and and I do not doubt that. Uh, that defense does, in fact, win those championships. Uh, but I, I I'm feeling I got to stay with Cam. Uh, I've been with the Carolina Panthers. I, I picked them uh, to win this game that they just played in a in a championship and uh, in the AFC championship. Uh, I'm sorry, in the NFC championship. Uh, I picked them to win that, and uh, and I picked Denver uh, to win uh, the AFC Championship. And and when it's all said and done, I think you know Cam will be hoist, hoisting that trophy as the uh, Super Bowl champion. But uh, certainly, um, what I want to do is uh, because we got a couple minutes, we got three minutes till break, and then I'm gonna have uh, Michael Haddix is gonna join me. So what I want to do is I'm gonna give you a chance. I mean. You, you're looking at Denver's defense, and you know, of course, Carolina Panthers got a good defense as well. Uh, I would think that the Carolina Panthers' offense, uh, I, I think Cam and his offense and his offensive weapons that he has with him. Uh, Stewart's a good running back. You know you know how I feel about uh, those Buckeyes representing him on the wide receiver's position. Um, I, I just think that the offensive weapons, in particular, I, I think they're going to have to do something they haven't done before. I haven't seen... Uh, the Denver Broncos in a position where they may consider a spy um, on on Cam Newton. And, and putting a spy on Cam Newton means that you've got one less uh, defender uh, in the secondary uh, or at the linebacker to double-team anybody. And I think they're going to need some double-teaming those receivers because they've just got some speed that you just don't see every day. So um, does, does that sway you a little bit or you you, you like – what you see from Denver's defense because you haven't said much about their offense. And uh, I'm just trying to see if I can get you to either hold to it or swing one way or the other. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying that I'm going to be a, on Denver's side. I just don't know. I mean, I'm, Denver's looking good, but at the same time, Carolina's looking good. I, I'm, I'm undecided. Come on, Chef, you got to make a decision. You, you can't, you can't, can't be on the fence. You got to make a decision. You got to choose one or the other. You, you got, you got to make a choice and man up. You, you got about two minutes to man up and pick a winner. It's not that hard. It's either one or the other. We, we won't hold it against you if you pick is, the wrong I, team. I want, I want Denver to win because I know Peyton Manning's going to retire at this, at the end of the season. I want him to go out on top, but. I just really think that Carolina is going to win. I mean, I, I, the reason why I was saying that, I, I just wanted uh, Denver. I just want Denver to win, just so Peyton Manning could go out on top. But that's going to be a big key to this game. Also, uh, Peyton Manning versus Luke Keekley. Who's going to Who's going to out out think one another? Uh, you got Peyton Manning always calling audibles, always switching it up, Omaha, all that. And then you got Luke Keekley. How can he play this chess match before the play starts? Uh, that's going to be really fun to see, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Carolina. All right, so you sw- I, I did get you to switch up there because uh, you know you start off there with Denver, and I too I understand what you're saying about Peyton, uh, but 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 the new Peyton, there's a new sheriff in town, 
And, and that sheriff is Cam Newton. And I think Cam has uh, given us reason to, to like the National Football League, to like him. You know, Peyton does things. Peyton kind of is the old school kind of quarterback. I like to say he's like the Roger Staubach, just handle his business and move on. And, and Cam likes to shine a little bit. After all, there's more cameras. The stage is bigger. And he's got the personality, the smile, and he's a good man. And he's doing good things for the National Football League. And I think he can carry that torch quite well. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. Uh, Chef Julian, you can hold on or you can, uh, you can come back to us a little bit later because I'm going to talk to a friend of mine and a former teammate after this break. And so if you uh, give us a call back, Chef Julian, or just hang on, uh, we'll be sure to pick back up and uh, continue our conversation. You look, you're listening to Rayola Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix. Living Like It Matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me, uh, this is the last show before the big show. The big show, of course, is the Super Bowl coming up uh, this Sunday. And, uh, of course, uh, this show is Rayola Sports. Uh, it's not my last show. It's just the last show before the big show. So uh, with that being said, I, I got a chance to... Uh, to rekindle my my friendship with uh, with a former teammate, sometimes people don't realize the fact that professional athletes, you know, you're a part of a of a real strong fraternity uh, for a very short period of time in your life, and then you go an opposite direction, you know. But you have a, a a a great group of friends for a short period of time, and sometimes those relationships last. Uh, they they really, I really believe. That there are very few. Well, there are some teammates that <laughs> you know they they get on this. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but they they feel as if they're above some of their other teammates, and you could pick up the phone and they don't return your calls. But uh, there are times where you pick up the phone and and, and they return your calls, and, and you're glad to hear from them and rekindle those relationships. And certainly that was the case for me when I picked up the phone and called my dear friend Michael Haddix, former first round draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Michael Haddocks. Mike, how you doing, man? Man, I'm I'm doing good, Mike. I I just uh, first of all, I want to thank you for for calling in today, and uh, you know it, it's the time of year, Mike, where you know we look back on our lives, and uh, I mean we all were blessed to play the sport. Uh, uh, you had a different kind of blessing, you know, being a first round draft pick, meaning obviously. Uh, we all are considered, you know, some of the top athletes in the world, but there's an elite category. And I, I like to look at those first round draft picks and those Hall of Famers. And that's something that's a badge of honor you can carry uh, for for the rest of your life. Uh, let, let's talk quickly about that, because then I can jump into something else. Mike, uh, just speak from your own perspective of that's the start. Man, how did that feel for you getting that 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 call? Or, or being there on that stage as a first-round draft pick. Just just give us 
a little background on on what you felt that day, you and your family. It was so to be a a first round pick. You know, it actually uh, kind of saved a generation as far as my family was concerned. But uh, you know, I mean, you know, as being an athlete, you know, that's what you you, you strive for is to is to be in that top top ten top ten in the first round. And uh, and and after that's all over and all the hoopla is gone, you know, you got to pretty much get out there and perform. So, um, you know, I thank God that I had opportunity to uh, be a first-rounder, and, 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 and being a first-rounder actually gave me some avenues to be able to deal with some things as far as my family was concerned. But you know, of course, as, as well as I do, that uh, after that, you got to perform. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, Mike, and, uh, and and you did a hell of a job of, of performing and want to congratulate you on that. And then I, I want to fast-forward, too, because I always tell people, regardless of what you do, uh, when you're drafted, obviously that, that earlier stage puts you in a better position, perhaps maybe to sustain some things for a longer period of time. Uh, but it, it comes a point in time in our life where we all become former professional football players. And and, and that has happened to, of course, me and you a long time ago. Uh, but we are also at a stage of our life now where hopefully the other guys will reach this age, you know, when you go beyond your 30s, you enter to your 40s, and and for me into my 50s. So uh, let's, let's talk about life after football. You know, for you, I know you were in Philadelphia for some time. You and the wife have, have gone back down uh, to the southern part of the country. Uh, how's that part of life been treating you? Well, you know, we we love it down here in Mississippi. We're, we're on the campus, uh, you know, in the area of campus of Mississippi State University where I went to school. But, you know, we lived in the, on the East Coast in, in New Jersey for about 30 years. And my, all of my boys were born in uh, Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, we, we, we really enjoyed that time. And it gave gave me time to mature and, 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 and really experience uh, life outside of being in Mississippi. And I, and I, I got to say, man, it was... Uh, it was a challenge at times, but, uh, you know, we adapt. As athletes, we're able to adapt to a lot of different situations, as you know, and uh, it's been really well. It's been really good. You know, my boys are still there. Uh, I have one in New York and right now two in Houston. But, uh, but, but yeah, we, you know, I've loved it during that time, man. I mean, Philly, New Jersey, man, that's the spot. You know, that's that's what it's all about, you know, and I, and I enjoyed the time that I was there and, my wife of 33 years, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, we've been through a lot and, 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 and really uh, it's been a blessing. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, of course, I remember Yolanda from all the years ago, and you got, I think you, I might have months on you or you might have months on me, but we both looking at that 33 years of marriage. And, uh, and, and that in itself, Mike, is an accomplishment because that's not the easiest thing for a young man to be a professional athlete, uh, to hold a family together and to sustain that relationship, that, that marriage, that bond, uh, that friendship uh, w- with your wife over those years. So I want to congratulate you uh, on that and, of course, on, on the fellas, the young men as well. Uh, let me ask you, Mike, down there, is there some things that you're doing down there you'd like to tell us about real fast? Well, yeah, you know, I have a nonprofit. You know, we do a lot of... A lot of nonprofit work, a lot of service to the elderly, and a lot of the uh, you know re- revitalization areas for the young kids. You know, just trying to, you know, Ray, you know how you try to give kids the uh, things that you grew up with, and some of those values, those old school values, as I say, that these kids nowadays really doesn't, they don't think is very important. But uh, you know, my nonprofit is the Retired Professional Football Players Charitable Foundation, and and we do a lot, and you know, and and a lot of that involves helping former players that are uh, maybe not informed of certain things and certain situations, just trying to get the information out there and keep everybody abreast of, uh, of, of current current situations. So we enjoy it. It's all about service for me now uh, since, uh, since football has been over, and uh, me and my wife both are working in the same field. Well, listen, Mike, I appreciate it, man. Always, uh, you know, looking to help athletes, uh, you know, in any way that you can, you've always been that kind of person, and appreciate all the things that you've done, all the things that you're going to to do in the future, and and let's let's stay in contact and get you back on the show when we got a little bit more time. But I appreciate your call. Right, I'm well, gonna I appreciate you having me. Okay, Mike, take care, man. I was Michael Haddix, former first round draft pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, Big Mike. <laughs> that, that wasn't no right, little so tailback. That was a that was a big running back, you know, back in the day. So I'm going to move on because I believe I've got a couple other friends that are on the line with me. And so I'm um, going to let Mike hang up, and we're going to speak to my good friend Guy Troop and also Kirk Dixon. But I believe Guy, Guy, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how you doing, Guy? 
I'm doing well. That's good, man. Of course, uh, it's a little late, but I want to uh, say Happy New Year to you and uh, hope you've uh, you're off to a good start. But uh, certainly, when I when I start talking about the Super Bowl, as I start to show off. Um, you know, saying that it, it's always one of those times that uh, it makes me reflect back upon my life, and and it makes me think about some guys uh, today because uh, this week in in football, for a lot of people, uh, it's the uh, first time that they're sitting around uh, the water cooler, and and they're a part of the conversation, if you will. Uh, as opposed to uh, them being the conversation, because they're, uh, with the exception of two teams, uh, all the other ball players are in a situation where where they're fans, and it it actually is a time where they have to stop and think, okay, w- what am I going to do? Because I'm because I'm not playing this weekend. I'm not playing this week. You know, what am I going to do? But that really is kind of. Uh, an opportunity for them to take a look at it, think about it, that that is going to expand from just being a week of which you're not playing to a long time of not playing because it will be over for you. You will no longer be playing football. But I think the playoffs uh, opens that up for athletes to start thinking about, you know, there's some guys that are playing, but I'm not playing. What am I going to do? And I think, Guy, that's what you spent uh, a great deal of your life doing is trying to help players figure, figure that out. So uh, what we're going to do is uh, turn it over to you and talk a little bit about uh, what I know and many people who listen to this show know as the Player Networking Event, which will be uh, the 16th annual Player Networking Event. So why don't you kind of go into that a little bit about those players realizing that, hey, it's not just going to be a week. It's going to be a long time. And you're going to have to figure out what are you going to do because you won't be playing ball. Well, I call it the, the most uh, teachable moment of, of an athlete is really when the cheering stops. Oftentimes we go into athletics, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, enthusiastic, and competing at the highest level. And at some point, most careers decline, so whether that's high school, college, or professional athletics, you, you know, your your number's called, your, your, your day is over. The dash in your career uh, has just had a period placed upon it. So what I like to speak to more than anything is when is the athlete most coachable for life after? And I think, you know, in a strange way, it really doesn't kick in until it's over. So it's a lonely moment um, when you know that you no longer want it. We can all probably uh, relate to the first breakup from, you know, middle school or high school and how you thought the world was over. And uh, I think the island that athletes find themselves on when the cheering stops is, is you know, it's, it's a blessing in that it is a teachable moment. And if you frame it that way, then practitioners throughout, you know, the world can can meet you where you are, coach you up, and get you ready for the next phase of your life. Guy, I'd like to jump in there for a second, but you said something, and and you kind of, you know, related it to something of which is um, a relationship with somebody or, you know, a person of, obviously, or hopefully or the opposite sex of which you, you know, there's some emotion involved there. And, and I believe that one of the most difficult situations is, is dealing with this, uh, this issue, the elephant in the room, if you will, uh, that is the, the emotion surrounding uh, this acknowledgement that you won't be able to play the game anymore. Is, is that something, too, that makes the, either the adjustment easier or more difficult if the person is able to um, somehow or another uh, address the emotional part of this breakup? Well, well Ray, I mean, I'm, you actually kind of segued into really our five-part curriculum and the framework from which we, we work with athletes uh, on various topics and issues. But, you know, I... I have a five-part system that we believe in. It's physical, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual beings. All people are. And so 
the physical and intellectual side and even the social side of sport is pretty, I mean, it's pretty transparent. We see it. Oh, you're a big can the 6'5", 240, runs a 4'4". That's the physical training. You know, he's a quarterback. He's calling signals. That's the intellect it takes to play. You know, every huddle is a social conversation. Every locker room is social. So those things, you know, athletes are sort of forced by, by way of the game to deal with those three components, whether you want to develop or not. The locker room will make you go in whatever direction the energy of the coach and the, and the leaders take it. Uh, but the spiritual and emotional side of, of individuals is oftentimes left untreated, uncoached in this male-dominated, macho, machismo kind of culture that is athletics. Um, and so you, you, you get up from a, a boo-boo and you brush it off and, and, you, and, and you do the same from a broken ankle. Go back in. And so the emotion that athletes typically need to display to be normal, you know, has been suppressed. And so that, that behavior goes into all kinds of uh, relationships and all kinds of endeavors in that, you know, I can treat, I can compartmentalize the love of Hello? my life the same way I can compartmentalize a lot to the Chiefs or the Raiders. And, and people have to, you know, see how the athlete has been trained to understand why the emotional maturity may not be there. Mm. Well, you know, and that, that's something, God, there, there are many things in, that you can read about. There's many things that, uh, that you may even watch a video about uh, where they address those other issues you talked about in those five areas in which you address. Uh, but the emotional component is, is something that uh, has always been unattended. <laughs> And I'm certainly glad to know that that's something that you're looking strongly at and, and it's part of, of your programs and things that you help uh, athletes address. Uh, got our good friend Kirk Dixon on there. Uh, Kirk, you there with us still? Okay. Uh, okay, Kirk may have, uh, may have lost Kirk there. Of course, every now and then we have a little technical difficulties. Maybe the line dropped. But, but guy, let's, let's go back a little bit and talk a little bit about the uh, Player Networking event again. This, this is the 16th. It's the 50th year, of course, of the Super Bowl. Uh, the event, um, I believe, is this year going to be at San Jose State University. And uh, there's a, a unique group of a population of uh, young uh, men that you expect to be a part of that. And again, uh, talking about uh, transitioning to a life without sports, uh, it doesn't all just happen for you and your work at the uh, professional level. Uh, sometimes you understand that people at a younger age uh, need to be uh, uh, addressed, and and I believe this time you're going to do a little bit of that as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, what we're focused on. You look at the high school to professional ranks, and those 1.2 or so million high school athletes about. 7,300 Division One football players and about 2,000 men are fortunate enough to play in the National Football League every year. So if you look at those numbers and the, the you know, just quantify what happens every year, you know, it's, it's a startling statistic. So, um, you know, every year... X number of athletes are outplaced. So I'm going to give you the numbers. The annual outplacement fire displaced number, uh, and this is conservative, in, in high schools, 300,000 kids can no longer play football anymore. Uh, why is that? Because they've just they've outgrown the opportunity. They have not continued to grow in that, in that field. Um, Every year, just in Division One football, you have uh, you know eighteen hundred kids. That I'm sorry, every year there's there's about sixty thousand kids that uh, play Division One football, and every year about fifteen thousand of those kids are pushed out. And then you look at the NFL, and there's you know four hundred or so players that get fired every year. So when what we 
we decided to do this year is to bring high school, college, professional, and retired players together to talk about transition. And, you know, it's never too early for an older, a younger kid to hear from a, a retired player or an active player or even a college player. So that's the strategy this year. We have a personal branding session where we're going to bring those four populations in the room to just talk shop and how you prepare for life after. Now, God, I'm sure you, you know, one thing when you look at athletics, you know, you and I have had many discussions about this, and there is something that's unique just about the experience of being an athlete. Uh, with that being said, uh, is your approach different, and, and, and do these young men embrace your approach about dealing with that elephant in the room for them one time is that there's going to be a come a time where you're not going to have to do this and you're not going to be able to do this. You know, one thing about there's some guys who made a couple decisions that they were going to walk away from the game. Most guys are forced out of the game uh, because of injury, because of age or, or something, uh, a decision that they don't make, but you at least, you know, you hit them square between the eyes that that day is going to come at some point in some time. Uh, does it help you when you have other players there to reinforce your message because they've lived it, they've done it, and they can tell those young men that you need to listen to every word he's saying because, you know, this is not a fortune teller. This is a man who's been there in the trenches working with men over the years, and it's going to happen to you one day. But is it difficult for those young men to embrace the message? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, I'm approaching 50, and I've worked in you know, college and professional sports for 25 years, and the, the more the younger you are, uh, the more believable and culturally relevant you are to athletes. And so, uh, as a former college player, I could always talk to college players until I got a little older, and now I look like the old guy that doesn't know what he's talking about. And uh, the same goes with NFL players. You know, there's a there's a respect for someone when they've walked in your shoes. So, the the NFL player that played eight years is more likely to get through to the rookies than you know a practitioner or someone that never walked in their shoes. Now that there's there's something fundamentally problematic about that. But because you don't, you wouldn't go to a doctor who his credential was he played pro football, and you wouldn't go to uh, you know to a fireman to to play to to learn how to play pro football, and so the the paradigm of athletes being open to learning and you know, it's a bit stilted in that coaches have been coaching athletes, their former athletes, and athletes believe in the messages from athletes probably more than the messages from other uh, professionals. So my work is is tough in that, you know, if you don't look like you played, if you don't look like you had the success that all great athletes want to have, then how credible are you in your message? You don't understand what I'm experiencing where I have a million bucks, you know, access to anything, and I've, I just made the, you know, sports center highlights. And um, so uh, that was a long-winded way of saying it's very tough to reach uh, the current athlete, but it's, it's an endeavor that I've committed my life to, I think it's important that they hear voices consistently that speak to the need to leverage, the need to become more whole as a person uh, and prepare for the day when the cheering stops. Uh, well, that was an excellent answer. Uh, Guy, we got about two minutes here. Um, um, please answer this question for me. What is it that you feel you can do, your work can do in helping to develop these young men uh, based upon what might be perceived as to what is missed 
if they're if they're if they're not giving the support that they should be giving, what would society miss if somebody just decided they was going to turn their back on these athletes? What can these athletes contribute to society if they get the kind of help from you and other people in in your space uh, to help develop them totally? Well, I think you know that athletics is a gathering place for celebration, for competition, uh, and for celebrating competition. Uh, and so fans cheer rapidly around their home team, and athletes are the conduit. They're the facilitator of this energy every weekend. And so just imagine that these athletes leave this arena and they're no longer whole because, you know, the, the community will not, has not, uh, or doesn't believe in supporting them. Uh, when they've given so much to a community, a city, a small town for a high school football program. So, you, you know, I think that the industry as a whole is doing much more than people realize to really make men and make people, make men and women whole. Athletics teaches a lot. Uh, but there's a void in, there's a group of athletes that, you know, just for whatever reason, need a little more structure, a little more guidance, a little more support. And so I like to say to the world that, you know, the outcomes of your relationships with athletes, you know, ultimately can impact your income. So if you do the right thing and in the in a relationship with an athlete, and if the athlete does the right thing in a relationship with a non-athlete, then the outcome of that can help both parties. So you can learn how to be in business with athletes, teach athletes how to be successful in business, help athletes find jobs. That athlete that works at your company can help your company grow because people know their name, they, they respect what they accomplished before, and they, most athletes can get in just about any door. It's can they close once they're in the door. Well, you heard it right there. That sounds like a win-win for everybody involved there. Listen, I'm sorry, but time has uh, run out on us. Uh, we're going to have to go. Guy, we need more than just uh, a few minutes, and uh, uh, we'll have to reconvene uh, on the next show. But uh, certainly look forward to seeing you there at the Super Bowl, and uh, we certainly will be broadcasting live there. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. <laughs>